Hey everyone, welcome to season two, episode nine from Teacher to National Geographic, a whole new take on educational leadership. Welcome to Be the Leader You Deserve podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Laura Donnelly. And I'm Jill Handley. And this is season two, episode nine from Teacher to National Geographic, a whole new take on educational leadership. In this episode, we will be interviewing another courageous female leader, Dr. Felicia Cummings-Smith. And um, Dr. Felicia Cummings-Smith, we have borrowed her bio from the Aurora Institute, but she is the former assistant superintendent for teaching and learning at the 26th largest urban district in the um, country, Jefferson County Public Schools. There, she provided oversight of the district strategies for implementing curriculum and instruction, federal programs, library and media supports, and professional learning. She has also served to, as the Senior Program Officer at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, developing and implementing at the Principal and Teacher Leadership Strategy. Before joining the Foundation in a role um, with the National Institute for School Leadership, NISL, um, she also served as an Associate Commissioner at the Kentucky Department of Education. During her tenure there, she led the College and Career Ready Strategies focused on the implementation of new standards, educator effectiveness, and professional learning systems in special education. She has also experienced, she also has experience in higher education as a faculty lecturer and teacher preparation. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a mouthful. So much to be proud of. So we are so excited to have you, Felicia. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here with you all. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. We are too. And really quick, before we get started, we just wanted to give a shout out to everyone who has been engaging in our gratitude challenge on Twitter. We love hearing about all of the things that you're thankful for. All right, Felicia. So we're going to go ahead and get started. This season, we've been discussing courageous leadership, specifically with female leaders. How would you define courageous leadership? Wow. What, um, a, what a hard hitting question to start us off with. Um, you know, I would have to say that um, I would define courageous leadership as um, not being afraid, right? Overcoming your fears and being brave in whatever context um, you're in. I would also say that um, as a result of that, you're able to take risks and um, be bold and um, understand that when things don't work out, that um, you have a sense of resiliency. I think being courageous means that you're okay with the failures and you learn from those failures and you continue to push forward and that builds resiliency. And so I would say that um, courageous leadership is really about taking a stance um, even on situations that may not seem to be popular at a time and, and really moving forward and bringing people along with you. Um, so that's, that's really how I would qualify it. Thank you for that. And we know that you're currently the Senior Director for U.S. Regions at National Geographic, but the positions you've held throughout your career have all been extraordinary, um, but they've not really followed the typical path of an educational leader, um, including, but not limited to working with Bill and Melinda Gates and their foundation. So when you first became a teacher and thought about your future self, is this what you envisioned or did you something happen along the way that wow. all of that? I actually had no idea um, that I would ever leave the classroom. I, um, you know, my mom was a teacher, my sisters are teachers, and um, 
you know, I just really felt like I uh, would be in the classroom as many um, educators are today. I really didn't have an interest for going into the principal pipeline, but I knew that in me, um, I wanted to be a leader. And um, so early on in my career, I remember like, having some defining moments. Um, Early on in my career, I remember being invited to be a part of a conversation with one of our Kentucky State Board of Education members, Nawana Privet, to talk with um, some faculty at Asbury about teacher leadership. And um, I was, it was early in my career and I knew that, um, you know, there was something special about the conversation, but I really didn't know where it was going. And so we had some good conversation about teacher leadership and what that meant. And I, I knew that I was, you know, naturally a leader and people would always say that, but I didn't really know where that could take me. And then one door opened and for working in Jefferson County at the district level. And I left the classroom. Brenda Overturf was the um, district reading um, resource um Um, educator at the time, district leader, and she asked me and invited me to come join her at the district level. I have to say that was another defining moment because I um, felt like, well, you know, most people are doing the kinds of things that I'm doing in my classroom, but when you leave your classroom, you learn that you do have something to contribute and add and share with your colleagues. And so that was another defining moment. One thing led to the next, and I found myself at the state agency. Um, At the state agency, I learned a lot about statewide initiatives and um, how to support colleagues all across the state. And it also introduced me to people across the country who were in like roles as I, and um, it began to build a network. And again, I was still thinking this entire time, I'm just a teacher leader. And I have had opportunities to um, you know, be a part of conversations that I knew that many of my colleagues had not been um, offered. And um, one thing that led to the next and a partnership um, occurred with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and um, their generous support in Kentucky education reform um, back in 2009 when I was associate commissioner. And so that relationship started um, to build and I began to have a new perspective on the role that philanthropy could play in seeding innovation um, within a state, within a state agency, but also with, within districts and classrooms across um, our great commonwealth. And so that relationship really nurtured and there were some great things that happened during um, that time um, at the Department of Education when I was serving as associate commissioner, but I always kept at close to me um, what was important for, for teachers in the classroom and really began to work on elevating teacher voice across the state. And that then led to um, joining um, the foundation a couple of years later where I was able to be on the other side of uh, philanthropy and actually granting funds and going across the country and um, looking for um, places that were poised for um, partnering with the foundation around the ambitious goals that um, Dr. Vicki Phillips had as um, the chief and um, um, director of our college ready team at the foundation under uh, Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates. And, and so that was really an amazing experience to be able to be a part of um, that 
type of work and and the commitments that um, some really really smart people had um, in an education endeavor and reform efforts um, working alongside um, the Gates family. And, and now I find myself as, you know, a teacher leader who's now at National Geographic serving as um, a senior director over um, a team there where we are really trying to scale and spread education um, programming, um, not only domestically, but across the world. And it has been an amazing ride um, with every twist and turn across my career, but you're right, it has not been a traditional um, pathway. And, <laughs> you know, what I appreciate about that is that's kind of what we're talking about when we are working with students, right? Like we want students to be able to explore multiple pathways to um, be their full selves and to um, be curious and to um, try to step into new and different roles. and. And so I kind of have found myself um, in that same space, wanting to be curious, wanting to be creative, nurturing that side of who I am personally, but also professionally. And opportunities have been there because of amazing people who have been in my life. And so I'm very grateful for that. I know working under your leadership, Felicia, um, your heart of always seeing things through the lens of a teacher, but also a student has really, been so appreciated because you never lose that focus and I think that is in addition to the courage that you have to do what you've done I think always keeping that that mind in mind of what would this look like in a classroom how would this perceive from the student perspective has also just added to the amount of success I really appreciate you saying that because you know it is it, it is important that we keep our eyes focused on how is this benefiting young people and how is this um, going to help them um, be the next leaders and how do we create learning opportunities that are going to stretch and grow them and you know I I have kept my own experiences as a learner um, very close to me and you know being you know an African-American female oftentimes you could kind of become a statistic as a student and um you know my mother was a teacher and um i worked very, very closely to um you know study hard and do the best that i could in classrooms but i also remember that i had some you know some things that occurred where i wasn't at the top of you know top of the choice and and being able to be allowed into certain programs and so access and opportunities have um, become something that I've really focused on throughout my career because I remember being a young person um, who didn't meet the mark on AP exams, but a Jefferson County program allowed me to go off in the summer, study, um, learn, be a part of summer programming, and I took the AP exam again and um, passed it the second time and it created and opened so many doors for me and so I've always remembered that and I think that educators who have had to overcome challenges as um, they went through their own schooling career um, remember those things and that becomes a part of their identity and then you carry that to the experiences that you then continue to have. And so I am a strong advocate for 
um, access and opportunities for black and brown children, but also for children all across you know, this country and particularly the state where there are rural um, students who are living um, with, um, you know, low socioeconomic status. And so I'm, I've really been focused in my last few years on what does it mean to help young people understand social mobility and um, provide and give them opportunities and help educators then design learning experiences so that they can do the same for young people that they face and that are in their classrooms every day. And I love um, when you said earlier about, you know, showing young people the non-traditional path or whatever, saying curious, um, because I think so often as a counselor, when I do, and granted, I work in an elementary school, so um, they're younger kids, but when I ask kids what they want to do or when we're exploring career pathways, it's always Mm -hmm. a teacher or a doctor. Um, And I, my hope is that I can inspire them to stay curious and really seek out um, because there, I feel like there are just such limited resources right now with that, with career Mm -hmm. pathways for that age anyways. Um, But teaching them to stay curious because the traditional path isn't always the greatest reward. And I think you're- Well, I appreciate you saying that. that. And, um, you know, if we are fighting for young people to be able to demonstrate their competencies, I think we should be able to do the same for adults. And so as we think about people who are um, going to be in leadership positions, rather than think about, you know, the hierarchical steps that leaders traditionally take, I have been a strong advocate for looking at the competencies that people bring to to bear to different positions, but different opportunities. So if I say that it's great for kids, you know, I believe honestly that it's also great for adults. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the next book that we are sharing with our listeners is called More Myself by Alicia Keys, in which she shares her journey of leaving fame and fortune to discover her true self and pursue things she is passionate about. Would you say that that describes your move to National Geographic? You know, Geographic? I, I don't know that I feel like I'm, um, I, I appreciate that um, passage in, um, that Alicia Keys has described. And I know that so many people actually feel like they have to take a step back um, in order to really figure out their passions. But I, I kind of think of this, um, my journey, as... Um, it's all just one continuous experience, right? I can look across my journey and think about ways in which what I've picked up along the way has actually prepared me for National Geographic. And um, while the pace might be different in this um, environment than being in K-12 in a large urban district, um, I acknowledge that I am bringing my full self and the things that I learned along the way to this new role and the responsibilities that I have here. So I like to think of it as um, really just one new you know, can one continuous journey and um, rather not think of it as stepping out um, of something, but really leaning in in a different way. This is not an official question, but just something I'm really curious to know. Which position have you held that's been, oh. been your favorite so far? <laughs> that's going to be really hard to answer. Um, let's see. I. Huh. 
they probably all brought their own sense of reward. I to think life that is accurate. Um, you know, I could tell <laughs> that at any given in any given role and responsibilities, I have um, enjoyed being able to use my creative side, and um, I get pretty. Um, let's see, I get pretty excited about new things and. Uh, rather than like staying in the mundane, right? Like everyday kind of activity. But I like when things change and um, I'm able to contribute to that change and be creative and build new programming. And so I think one of the things that I've noticed across my career is that I have been at my best when I'm able to do that kind of work, be creative, usher in new reforms, put things on a big scale um, while also remembering how the work really penetrates to the classroom uh, for students, parents, and communities. And so I think when I look back across my career and the roles that I've been, been in, it's like those are the things that really make me most excited. And I've been able to do that pretty much in every role. And I have to share that, um, you know, when I worked at the state agency as associate commissioner under Terry Holliday, Dr. Terry Holliday, who was commissioner, um, I, I thought something was wrong with me because I'd like to move to different roles and explore different things. And I'm well beyond the millennial age as millennials will have multiple different jobs across their career. So I couldn't use that as really part of my explanation for um, why I like to change and do different things. But what he told me was really insightful about what he observed in me. And it is this um, need to build things and need to start things up and need to be creative. And I didn't even really recognize that in myself until he voiced it. And I have embraced it now and um, recognize that that is who I am and what I love to do. And so there's no one position <laughs> that I think has... Um, been the best they all have been fascinating and I've learned a lot in each role being able to be in that creative space is so fulfilling mm -hmm. so I can understand that so there's no doubt that and you've already touched on this a little bit but there's no doubt that race and gender play a, a role systemically in every major organization throughout our country what has your experience been as a leader within the educational system well honestly um you know, I think my experience has, um, I have seen some challenges and had to overcome those challenges. However, I feel like um, with every twist and turn, I have been able to be a voice for elevating issues that are um, related to issues that women face and particularly African-American women. And um, I don't know if you are familiar with um, Valerie Jarrett's um, Finding My Voice or of, um, you might have read, you may have read that or you may have read um, Becoming by Michelle Obama, right? Both of those, those women speak to yeah. how finding their voice was a part of who they are and how they show up. I'll even share that um, Bill Gates Sr. has a book about how you show up, right? And um, that is, like, important for me to just 
um, acknowledge at this moment that um, sometimes I know how I show up in different places um, may be a struggle or a challenge for some people just by being who I am. And yet it's really important for me to remain authentic and um, to represent um, who I am and um, what I can bring to situations. And if I face challenges, I'm usually able to um, work through them. Um, But there's no doubt that as a female and as an African-American female, you know, I would I would be lying if I said that I didn't think that there were sometimes decisions that are made that might be contingent on race issues or on um, gender issues. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've talked to quite a bit about core values this season and how they impact the work that we do. What core? Values I love this do I question. Um, I'd have to say. There are probably maybe five core values that I I hold true. And um, I'm going to start out by saying, you know, I'm a person of faith. And so integrity is really important to me. Honesty. um, I mentioned resiliency as um, a key core value. And I mentioned that earlier. I am also, um, I hold true to being vulnerable and to being authentic. Um, I love to collaborate. I like to think that I have a sense of humility and I value that in others. And I would have to say um, collaboration. Those are, those are super important ones for sure. Um, are there values that you hold true to personally that are often mm. challenged professionally? <laughs> Let's see. I, um, you know, sometimes when you're vulnerable, you're not sure how um, others will use that vulnerability um, to your benefit or to, um, to disadvantage you. And that sometimes makes me cautious. <laughs> um, but I oftentimes realize that I'm better off as a leader when I'm vulnerable because that attracts people to you and it allows them to come into the work that you're trying to accomplish together as a team and I like to believe that that is how I lead because that is what I respect in other leaders and so I would say that is probably a place vulnerability is probably the place in which um, I believe you know personally and professionally where things may or or may not work to your advantage but it is who I am and and again that's how I show up and I think that is really important for leaders today and 
that vulnerability piece is big. We know oh, we, we yeah. just finished yeah. Renee Brown's Dare to Lead. And so, <laughs> so we know how big, but to your point, I do think that's what keeps some people, as she calls it, with armored leadership is because that concern over how people may take or utilize your that's vulnerability right. either right. for or against you. And it's hard, but it makes I would you totally relatable. Agree. I and I think that in my experience, that is that is really what's happened, right? People have um, wanted to be engaged in work, and usually um, they will come along, and um, and it's it's worked. And you know, I also value being vulnerable because then others will allow like they are vulnerable too and you learn so much and you build relationships in being vulnerable and I think that is also really important to the type of work that we do in education like everything is contingent on relationships yes yes on on all ends with students and families and other teachers and leaders all important relationships are the most important thing so we know that you are very active on twitter posting articles and resources what is one resource that has really spoken okay, to I you lately prepare for this question <laughs> because i was thinking like <laughs> i post so much <laughs> and um there, but there was an article about black girls and I knew that's I, the one you were going to say. I knew that. I told her, that's the one she's going to talk about. I knew it because I was, it, it was. It was fascinating to me because it really spoke to, you know, my own personal experiences. Um, but then the work that we have to do in um, supporting Black girls in their road to however we define success, right? And we're just in an amazing moment in time where we can begin to get honest about some things, what we've done well, what we haven't done well. And, you know, even as I think about my time in Jefferson County, you know, we 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 had data in front of us um, that, that spoke to, you know, black and brown children, particularly black girls, not having a sense of belonging. And, um, and it, it, it became really important to me to um, want to act upon that and um, figure out some strategies and ways in which we could create space for that. So I'd have to say it was that article um, that was most striking to me most recently. And and if I could share, I think there's, there's one other, um, which is more academic in nature, right? Which is around, um, you know, the work around competence-based <laughs> and, um, I'm, I'm just fascinated in where we might go as a field with um, everything that has happened, you know, in COVID, in this era of COVID and understanding that, you know, kids need to be able to progress at their own pace and at their own rate with, with the resources that are going to help them become the most successful. And so I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if we are going to step into um, this this way of learning, working together to to really focus on competencies um, for young people, and, and as we move forward. So there's a there's an article around um, creating competency-based systems, and and if we can, as um, organizations, you know, create the right policies to put in place to really move us forward. 
I'm excited to read both of those because I've not seen either of them. So, and for our listeners, we will uh, link those in the, the show notes as well. Um, our last question, I'm not sure if you have listened to the podcast or not. If you have, you might already know that we're going to ask you this. Um, we actually ask this in all of our personal interviews at school as well. So what are three words that others who know you would use to describe you? I would say, let's see, fun. <laughs> <laughs> accountable and encouraging Oh, I would say those that's words good. Describe I describe you that's perfectly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wonder both if you know me, and I, you know, you, you said that those would describe you, uh, describe me perfectly. But I, I wonder if there were any others that might have popped in the mouth. I mean, you know, I was thinking about like, I don't know. I would be hopeful people would say, um, you know, I'm authentic, right? I'm able to laugh at myself. As, as so I don't take myself very seriously um, you know and I care a lot about people mm-hmm. too so I was I was gonna say real that's and good. kind that's so good. you kind that's of sum good. those up as well <laughs> and I would have said courageous just because of the the different roles that you um, held and I, I can't imagine that they were yeah. easy to yeah. go out on a well thank you so much thank whatnot. you so well, well thanks for being with us today, Felicia. And I really appreciate yeah. being a part of um, this opportunity. I know you have interviewed some amazing um, people, and I'm just glad to be a part of um, um, this, this interview with you. It's been so much fun hearing All your right, story. Thanks. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. <laughs> thank you. So since next week is Thanksgiving, we will be focusing on the magic of living a life of gratitude. And then we'll be digging into Alicia Key's book, More Myself, and discussing the courage it takes to abandon what others think of you, what others think you should be instead of living the life that you who you really are. So if you've enjoyed this episode, From Teacher to National Geographic, a whole new take on educational leadership, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. If this is your first episode, or if you've not listened to the entire first season, we'd love to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts to get automatic episode updates every Friday morning on Be The Listener, Be The Leader You Deserve podcast. And we are so excited because just because of all of our amazing listeners like yourself we've reached our milestone of 1,000 listens so yay (laughs) and recently we created a Facebook Instagram and Twitter page that gives you more frequent updates quotes and inspiration to carry you through the week make sure to like and follow us at be the leader you deserve to stay up to date with leadership ideas and updates of other projects that are in the works and finally please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on on Apple podcast They really help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show, and we make it a point to read every single one. Have a great week, and don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve?